back to The Short Game. This is a show where we discuss short video games, the kind of games that respect your time. My name is Nate Heininger, and I am joined by two Puzzle Master co-hosts. Laura Nash, how are you today? My mind is clockwork inside clockwork and mysteries, <laughs> and it's all thrown. Uh, awesome. And Shane, how are you? Shane Kelly? Uh, I'm just tapping frantically on the screen, hoping something happens. <laughs> I know exactly how you feel. Uh, that was a lot of my experience with this as well. Uh, and on that note, today we're actually not discussing just one game, but a whole series of games. We thought it best to kind of include the whole thing. Um, we're talking about The Room, uh, The Rooms 1, 2, and 3. We'll mostly be focusing on 3, but we thought it'd be worth it to kind of touch on all of them. Yeah, they're the series of physical puzzle games for iOS. And I know that sounds like a bit of a misnomer. Like, how do you have a physical game on iOS? But it's one of those uh, games that, or game series, where the entire design wants you to touch things, manipulate objects, and really feel like you're dealing with a real thing. Um, Each game gets bigger and bigger, as we'll talk about, but really at its heart, it's flipping switches and rotating things and kind of just tapping at the screen. And when you tap it, you're actually pressing buttons. You're not just, you know, there's no fake interface except for the inventory. I I gotta say, like, I I think that, you know, it comes through in the name, the whole inspiration for this, I think is this sort of escape the room craze that's sweeping the country right now. I think every city has one of these escape room places in it now where people are doing puzzles and opening boxes and trying to figure out passwords in order for them and some strangers to walk out of a, you know, weird hotel room looking place. Have you got any of you guys done that? I have done one. It, we ended with, um, the city of Chicago getting destroyed, but we did not save the world, but we didn't destroy the world. So we got a halfway. <laughs> it's like a neutral we ending. <laughs> <laughs> we got a neutral ending because um, you shouldn't play Escape the Room games if you don't control your whole group. And not like you personally, but like you can't yell at strangers like old men, grandpas who are there when they're like small daughter and old man talks very quietly and the daughter doesn't <laughs> understand what Morse code is. Like you can't yell at them because they're not your friends. But when it's friends, you can really tell them to get their shit together. Yeah, we did uh, one. It was it was a lot of fun. It was like my family. So my mom, my dad, my sister and her boyfriend and my brother and his wife and then uh, me and Molly. So it was like our core family. And we did one together. And uh, it was not as dramatic as, uh, you know, did we or did we not uh, destroy a city? It was kind of like James Bond themed, uh, you know, one of the coolest uh, parts of it was a uh, there was like a a a bar tap, you know, like six different um, bar taps that we had already found a recording device that played seemingly just a random conversation and throughout the conversation people were ordering drinks um and we and we had to pull the bar taps in the order that they had ordered the drinks and when we did that the entire uh cabinet behind us that was like the um where the bottles and everything were stored swung open um and that's kind of what this game is but if man if somebody could make a escape the room that is even like 10% as awesome and uh, 
you know, designed and intricate as these video games, that would be amazing. Uh, I mean, these... even in room one, like the stuff that happens is just so impossible and intricate and beautifully animated. Like if I there was a Kickstarter last year that I didn't support because it cost six hundred dollars and it was for a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful puzzle box. And I wanted it so badly, but I decided to have a wedding instead. Priorities, and I, bet I suppose. It doesn't, I know priorities, but I bet it doesn't live up to this you know, this fake world on my iPad in the I'd like to I'd like to hear more about the first couple of games. Just because um, you know, I know the budget and the size and scope of these games has kind of scaled up. Um and one of the things that uh Nate you said about these games was that you were shocked about how many rooms there were <laughs> in a game called The Room. Hold on, let me yeah, let me, if I may at least define that a little bit, though, that is really it. I mean, I so I never played any of these games, and so I picked up The Room 3, uh, thinking it's the newest one. We're going to do it for the show. It's also the longest. Uh, I might as well jump, you know, full in. And yeah, and I that this, said longest. It's only took me about four and a half hours yeah, to complete. So um, it's not long. And yeah, I know this is really stupid, but for a game called The Room, I was just like surprised at just how many rooms... Uh, there were and how, uh, you know, designed it was. I was really expecting something that it sounds like the first two games are, which is a more simplified system. So I think, yeah, I think it makes sense to start with the first two games and kind of how they work. And then we'll uh, expand and probably spend the bulk of our time talking about the third one, because that's the one all three of us have played. Well, it's actually the first one is a table with a puzzle box on it. And each stage is a different puzzle box on a different table. And uh, there's nothing else in the room. Everything you need is on this box, and you know it. But the box is so tremendously intricate. And as you keep unlocking, it's a Matryoshka doll. It's that nesting doll thing where things just keep popping out and coming out. And the box keeps transforming and different puzzles keep showing up. And then you look through an eyepiece and you see different things written on the puzzle. And it just... It's extraordinarily intricate. There's only a couple, but each box takes you quite some time to figure out how everything fits together. There's, uh, you know, at one point you you do something and then a bunch of knights pop out of the top, like little, and then you, you have to turn them. And you're like, ah, the gold knight has something on its back. How can I get that knight to rotate? So it takes all the intricacies of the later games, but it's all in one box. And it's much shorter, but... Part of the frustration is you are absolutely 100% sure that everything you want is right in front of you. Yeah, that's yeah. something I uh, I experienced a lot with um, even the Room 3. Uh, so I, I love puzzle games, but one of my least favorite types of puzzle games is simply, did you happen to see that thing? And... <laughs> that's a lot like that it's not really necessarily a puzzle to me that's just like did you happen to notice that thing and i'm not really great at that now i should say molly and i played this whole game together she is pretty good at that so i had kind of uh you know i didn't have to do that as much as i normally would this game probably would have taken me like 12 hours if it was just me um but this game is a lot of just did you see that thing but fortunately i found that it it balances it with just about every other type of puzzle you've ever seen that can be manipulated just with like 
simple controls. Right. And there's no, this does not require you to know Braille, Morse code, like ternary binary systems. None of that stuff comes into this game. It is what you need is in front of you. And I think the interesting thing about room one is a lot of it is, did you notice that thing? But the thing, you just keep turning this box around because you know that this box is only so big and you could rotate it 30 times and somewhere on there is a switch or a button or something you didn't press. Room two, suddenly there's two tables or like multiple things in one room at a time. And that was pretty mind blowing because suddenly you're in like a room. You keep traveling through time and you're in a room and there may be like three or four things in that room. And then you have to follow all three or four things. You get to room three and there's this like hub with like five hallways and and elevators. You go to other places. (laughs) Suddenly you're like not even in the house anymore. And I was just like, oh, my God, this I saw a human being on screen for the first time in the room three, like that wasn't a brief mystical revelation. It was like, oh, my God, who's that thing? Yeah, the <laughs> um, person. It, it is a little jarring, too. Yeah, you're expecting it. Um, I hadn't even played any of the other games. I was like, whoa, there's a person right there. Um, and it's kind of just the imagery of it, too. And we're going to talk more about the design uh, as we kind of go through this. But um, you, you had mentioned, like, just kind of tapping at the screen and Shane kind of even said it right out of the beginning. There was so much of this game where you're just like, see a thing and you're like, okay, I know that thing has to move, but it's not, you're not a hundred percent sure how you move it. So you're just like swirling your finger on the screen, twisting, pinching, pulling every like iPhone thing we've all been taught how to do. Uh, And then if you're playing it with two people uh, like me and mom, we had to look like insane people or, you know, just both, tapping frantically at the screen i felt like uh you know i w- used to work at the apple store and you would see these people who have like never touched an ipad before uh and they're just like frantically jabbing at the screen trying to figure out how it works that's how i felt like 25 percent of the time on this game uh just uh, fingerprints galore every uh, when we were done playing this game the ipad screen is just disgusting all these fingerprints one of the things that I really liked that this game I thought did really well that because in a game that has that degree of like you know tap on all the things, uh, especially once it widens out to the point where there's like lots and lots of different areas that you could be exploring and you might be moving things around, taking them from one area to another, you know, to solve the puzzles. Um, the thing that that kind of uh, really helped me along. Uh, in 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 places where I got stuck was the clues, uh, and I thought this game was uh, very generous with the clues, but not in a way that like I felt like detracted from the experience at all. Um, it reminded me very much of old text adventure games, which I know you know at least Laura has a lot of affection for, where you know you're in, in fact so there's there's this. There's this puzzle early on where you literally, like, the whole thing is a get lamp puzzle. And I was like, uh, yep, this is very adventure game inspired. But the the adventure game element that I was reminded of was Invisiclues. And I don't know if, Laura, you, did you ever actually have a, an Invisiclues booklet when I you had any of your I did have an Invisiclues. It's, it's because it, uh, they pace so well. That's what I like about the Invisiclues. Yeah. Like, they, they, what, they, what they do so well is they, they have... Uh, for any place that you get stuck, uh, they have multiple levels of hinting. So, 
Um, the lightest level of hint might be just something that tells you, um, hey, you should go back and have a, you know, I'm thinking that there's something I could do to that box in the main room, you know, uh, just to keep you from wandering too far afield. Um, and then the second level of hinting might be something like, um, you know, that little knob on that box looks like it could turn if only I had a key. Um, you know, things like that until finally it explains, Hey idiot, go get the key from the table and put it in the (laughs) hole and then turn the damn knob. Um, so, you know, sometimes, sometimes that's necessary in order to move forward. Yeah. The Uh, thing I never really felt that stuck. No, I, I, we only probably actually used the clue. Um, I don't know, probably seven or eight times um, is when we would actually use it. But one thing that always made me laugh about it, because uh, the game is very, very linear, despite there being like a million tiny puzzles. You're almost always doing like one puzzle leads to another, which leads to another, which leads to another, which leads to another. Sometimes there's some like item gathering elements that you might do in a couple different orders. But for the most part, you're just going very linearly. So the clue system always knows like what you should do next and also it doesn't immediately present the clue but if you haven't made the like successful action that you need to make yeah like it's (laughs) like it's like 30 (laughs) seconds and it just and it's like shut up clue i'm working on it and then another 30 seconds later like I know you're up there. You're a glowing <laughs> question mark in the top. I I know you're. Leave me alone, Clue. I swear we know. Put put the key in the box. I know. Uh, you know. It's like, Hi, I'm Clippy. It looks like you're trying to open this puzzle box. <laughs> yeah, like well, we were doing hey, a lot of the optional puzzles, hey. and it was like, ding. Have you not realized that you have everything you need to unlock that next door? And we're like, we're doing optional puzzles. Clue, shut up. Leave us alone. Yeah. Hey. Hey. Hey, listen, <laughs> just over and over. I mean, it. <laughs> but it won't show you the hint. It'll just tell you there's one available. Yeah. So at least, like, Clippy tells, you know, it wasn't like suddenly you had to stop the game so that a little fairy can tell you, have you thought about going to the crypt? <laughs> of course <laughs> right, I right. have. Thank you. It's about as unobstructive as it can be. It was just like, man, it, it felt a little insulting sometimes. It's like, hey, I know, okay? I, I know what I need to do. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm working on it, okay? And you can turn them off. <laughs> if yeah. you really did. Thank you. Of course uh, you can. But not uh, if I want to finish the game, I can't. It almost felt like a, uh, like... You like hated it, but you're glad it's there. So it's like, of course, I'm not going to turn off the hints, you know, but like. So were those hints in the previous games? (laughs) Yes, um, those hints are there. But I'll say that in three, it's more open ended and there's more stuff like the room two started introducing a lot of scenic elements that room one, every single thing on that table. If there was a detail, you needed to use it. You could zoom in on absolutely everything and everything was usable. Room two suddenly there's like some boxes in the corner and I've been trained by room one to start looking at those boxes. They're just scenic. And so you start realizing, Oh, I can zoom in on stuff that I need. Like if I'm allowed to zoom in on something, there's something here. So I I think they did a good job of expanding and teaching the language, but the hints also, maybe I just was less prone to, uh, gazing at this beautiful animation and scenery and just like didn't take quite as long. I didn't notice the hints as much in room one and two. I mean, room two is only is like three hours and room one is maybe two. 
so they're quite shorter. So maybe that has something to do with it. Yeah, it actually took um, us about six hours to complete room three, though. I think we were very close to completing uh, some of the side stuff and we ultimately didn't. So it was like a lot of time pointed in one direction before going a different. Uh, but also, I think what kind of took us a lot of time is there's a lot of little notes left around. And I refuse to let us get past it without reading them in a ridiculous craftsman voice. Um, so uh, everything... Yes. <laughs> Everything had to be read out loud. Um, uh, which... You would like room two. There's a lot of voices in different dialects in room two. <laughs> so that was going to be my next question. Uh, room three has a bit of a story. Um, did they have that with rooms one and two? I will say um, AS, which the room three alludes to, is um, your only note writer in room one. In room two, you start getting more of a story. And you're kind of moving through time, so you get a couple different journal entries from people. Um, but it's the atmosphere more in room one and two. Room, I mean, there, you can see that this thing, the null, has had effects on people throughout time. But you don't really get much more than creepy things are happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, look at these creepy people doing creepy things. Yeah. Okay. And so, I mean, it sounds like pretty much everything that we've experienced thus far is that the room three is an expansion of all things from the previous two games. So in the room three, um, there's a story. I mean, it's not, you know, in some puzzle games, it's the story that drives you to solve the puzzles. Um, In this game, it's the puzzles that drive you to solve the puzzles. And the story is just kind of a reason to move forward. Um, Yeah, I I didn't really feel like the story of the game was anything but fluff. But what story is there, I think, is pretty neat. You know, it seems like there's um, and and it is kind of necessary mm -hmm. to story to to some of the puzzles. Uh, You know, the story has to do with some sort of researcher called the craftsman who's investigating some sort of, you know, fifth element situation called the null. Oh, the craftsman's new. I don't know. The null is the null new. The null is not new. You learn okay. about the null in two, the craftsman's new to three. So right. the cra- Again, anyway, the story like, is not a spoiler, guys. There's well, I say it's necessary because it's sort of sort of it, it, it sort of answers, you know, the impossible nature of some of these puzzles. Like while all the puzzles have this beautiful design that feels very um, plausible, you know, like these, like the machines seem very plausibly mechanical and a lot of the movement is very well animated and things like that. There's also plenty of things going on in these puzzles that wouldn't be possible in a physical puzzle box in the real world period. So, um, having some sort of magic involved, uh, with the wizardry of the null or whatever it is, uh, I think, you know, helps to kind of explain that and tie things together. Uh, And just sort of adds to the aesthetic. And I thought that all worked well together. Yeah, absolutely. When I say it doesn't drive the story, that's not really an insult to the, um, you know, to the story. Like, I think of games like um, almost like Thomas Was Alone or some of those types of puzzle games that we've done where, like, you're almost playing it like the puzzles are fine and they're fun. But you kind of want to know what happens next, right? Uh, that is not this game. You, what you're getting through the puzzle, so you get to find out what the next puzzle is. Um, and the way it kind of works, it's kind of a frame story where you've been uh, thrown into like a cell, basically, and this craftsman has essentially set up a series of tests for you. Each room is a, a form of a test, um, and you have to work your way through this 
manor, this what's it called like Holmes Manor. Um, Gray Holm. Gray Holm, yeah. Great spooky name. Uh, as you solve these literally hundreds, if not thousands of puzzles, uh, all kind of to build towards one final and major puzzle. Uh, and there's little notes and everything left around. That's your only real interaction with the craftsman. He's basically taunting you um, along, uh, along seeing if you're worthy. Uh, could you be the one that he sought after, uh, you know, for so long? Are you finally the one or will you fail like all the others have failed before you, you know? Things like that. Um, it's it's well written and it's, it's fine. Um, it adds, like Shane said, to the aesthetic of the game. And I think that's probably where the game shines the most. Um, it's overall design. Now, part of me, because it is a little steampunky and like that feels a little tired sometimes, but they do such a good job with this game that I'm willing to kind of look past the like, you know, mechanical gear steampunk thing that everyone likes. Um, or was so popular, you know, like ten years ago. Um, I'm I'm all in on on it. I think they, there's some recurring elements that they do that uh, I wouldn't say are strictly steampunk in the sense no. that you know it's not steam driven. There's there's these sort of electrical contraptions that I really liked at the start mm-hmm. of each chapter in the room three, where uh, you basically kind of have this sort of recurring puzzle of getting this electrical generator up and running, and then the oh, generator. Uh, then allows you to turn on this sort of laser machine that opens a doorway in space. Um, and the design of, of those things is so rad. They just look They're like so some kind of crazy surveyor's equipment mm-hmm. that, that then like tears open a hole in the wall, like with, you know, tentacles from beyond, like tearing away the transport bricks. you so to the neat. other side of your island. And it's, it's so detailed. It's like playing like a Bioshock where everything is kind of dirty and aged and lived in. And yet then you open something up and it's all shiny and new and mm-hmm. weirdly you supernatural. It's kind of steampunk in the same way that like Dishonored is kind of steampunk. You know, like they like what do they call Dishonored? Like whale punk or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like has a lot of the same aesthetics, but it's not. Um, yeah, there's no steam. There's nothing like coal driven, anything like that that we're used to. But lots of gears, lots of pumps and hoses, and and you know me- very mechanical things. Um, I know that the terms like that all come from cyberpunk, but I just have to I just have to imagine like what it would be if like punk wasn't the music of rebellion of the of the nineties. Like if if these were all like uh, you know uh, steam ska diesel ska. <laughs> I had no idea where you were going with that. Um, you know, that's like Steemo. Like, where are you going? <laughs> Steemo. <laughs> Steemo. These, this is the good. These are the hard questions. What if? Yeah. What if it was Steam Ska? Um, I guess we'll never know. I bet there's an alternate universe somewhere where it's uh, yeah. Steam Ska. We can reach it through the null. Yes, the but, null will lead us. I mean, we're talking how detailed these things are. So, Fireproof put out this crazy infographic, which we'll link to, that on how the game grew in size. And the first game was made by four people, and the app was 210 megabytes. And the last one was made by 11 people over 20 months and was 1,010 megabytes. (laughs) Like, these games went exploded. And you can see. Every penny of the money they spent on it, every penny of the, you know, every single second they spent on code and 
just visual design. There's so much of it. Yeah, I'm a, I'm not usually a big like collectible, like real life collectible of things. Like I don't have much like game memorabilia or anything like that. Like I've got some pretty rad posters of things. Like actually, Lori, you got us some pretty awesome ones for our wedding. Um, but this is like the first game that I've been like, oh my God, I want to like hold all of the things that are in this game. I want uh, in the first main room of the, of room three, uh, you find these basically like animal statues that come apart in really interesting ways. And I was like, I would love to have one of those and just like have it on my desk and play with it constantly. Um, I wanted to feel the things. Everything has such good weight. Every time you flick a little switch, it's like the most satisfying <laughs> switch flicking on an iPad I've ever had. Everything just feels so good. The it sound, sounds right. Yeah, exactly. The sound design, the gears, everything twists and turns and clinks and clacks just exactly like you want it to. Like the only thing better than what they're doing here would be physically touching it. I can't see how you could make a mechanical device on an iPad feel better than what they've done. And I think that's what this game is most notable for. Like the, the puzzles are great. Um, there's so many of them. Uh, some of them are good. Some of them are, you know, like I was saying, I don't like the, did you see these puzzles, but there's enough of other things. But when you add in like the amount of effort they put into the design and making it feel so good. That's what makes this game stand out. And I think that's what's clearly made these games so popular. So while, you know, I'm, I'm perfectly happy to continue to gush with you about the design of the game and, and how much fun it was to play. I really do have to complain uh, about the puzzles. Um, and I liked, I liked the game. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but I have like the number one thing that I cannot stand in a puzzle game is when I get to a point where I know what the solution is, but it's 30 steps away, Mm -hmm. you know? And that happens again and again in this game. The number one place that I really, that really started to grate on me was the forge puzzle, which I know you, Laura, just mentioned you were at. You you just did the forge forge puzzle, right? Can you describe basically what the forge puzzle was without maybe spoiling too much? Yeah, you get into a room, uh, the workshop, uh, where you are trying to uh, create some keys. Uh, it's very obvious what you need to do. You turn, you get in this room, you turn around. There is an unlit forge, and there's a box with kindling. And now you have to figure out where in the room are all the things you need. But it's not clear right away what things you need because you think, oh, I have kindling. I can just put this, oh, where do I put this on the forge? The forge is the most complicated forge you've ever seen. And I have been in a blacksmith shop in the last (laughs) three months. I know what forges look like. This is no forge created by, it's created by a master craftsman who really doesn't want you messing with his stuff, I guess. Um, It's the worst things in a fetch quest combined with a lot of extra back and forth. And at one point, something you need breaks and you know exactly what you have to do. And you're like, oh, man, I have to go in the other room and, like, make all this stuff by hand. Yes. If you don't like that stuff, may I suggest room one and two? Room <laughs> two actually has one stage where you have to do that. And it was the first time it happened. And I was very mad. So I was upset that they repeated it in three. 
But on mm-hmm. the whole, those do not have quite as much, oh, now I know how to do it 20 steps later. Yeah, well, that's good to hear. Because, I mean, there, there are, there's definitely nothing that I like less than um, it kind of feels like homework. You know, once, you, once you've got the solution, having to go through all the myriad steps to, to implement it can be a little bit of a drag. That said, like, you know, working that forge was pretty cool. I mean, you know, you, you know you're running a forge, you're making keys and using those keys in a cool puzzle box. I do appreciate they make things inactive when you're done with them. They make it very clear you can keep clicking on something you've been in the past, and if you try to switch any switches, they've just locked them in place. They make it very clear that you're not supposed to mess with things anymore. So many games make you go back and hide things in previous steps that I really do appreciate that, at least. Yeah, that's something that I like. There's not a whole lot of backtracking uh to these puzzles and um the sort of overall design is sort of a radial one where you're you're kind of working your way outward from this central room so uh and it's very clear when you've completed an area like you've you're you're returned to that central room with your with your prize so yeah it even uh, has like chapter breaks like you're done you have completed this room and uh which i thought was nice too not just on like a uh a like um quality of life thing because it would be like if you had it then you had to like march your little character all the way back to the beginning but also out of like a um sense of completion and satisfaction you know you you would complete the room and it'd be like boom splash screen uh kind of with a little bit of text about kind of you know the story and then you can continue or you can um you know it has like a quit game like you would have on a uh you know computer game you know on an ipad totally unnecessary because if i want to quit the game i just hit the home button you know i don't need to hit quit game but it just adds kind of a sense of completion there's not much of a spoiler break uh except i'd like to know some of the uh, i am not completed room three i played the other two but i'm pretty far in and i know i've done a lot of side puzzles so i'd like to talk about those and i think they're spoiler-ish but um, that does lead me to say that something that Room 3 has the other two don't have are multiple endings. This is the first time there's multiple ending. Everything else, I'm pretty sure there were you did every single puzzle in the game. There is no stone uncovered in Room 1 and 2. You just, it is very, very linear. This one's a little bit op- more open-ended, and I wanted to get your take on it, guys. Um, did you yeah. feel like you missed stuff? Well, th- that was interesting for us because – so the way the room three is structured, we already kind of talked about you. There's like a central hub, and then you're breaking off into side rooms. And the central hub has its own sort of inventory um, that is separate than the side rooms. Like you you don't take your central hub inventory with you to the to the side rooms and then vice versa. Once you complete one of the side rooms, you're – you're pretty much done. I think every once in a while you'll take like one thing from one of the side rooms. Like I think you take like a screwdriver um, that you would have had to have taken. It's part of the main quest. Um, but we started gathering these things, you know, there's like a, a phonograph um, wax cylinder, um, little things like that, that we knew had purpose or we thought had purpose to the main story. Um, but then we were collecting them and we were finding like, you know, it's that like puzzle game deduction. It's like, well, I can interact with this thing. So it's probably something that I'm going to use at some point. 
Um, I kind of think of that as the Scooby-Doo effect where, you know, you see that the, uh, the, in Scooby-Doo, the, the, one of the windows or drawers is painted onto the set differently than the mm-hmm. rest. You know, somebody's mm-hmm. going to go and open it. Yeah. You've got these, these items, you, you can interact with it. So, you know, you can tap on it and it, you know, glows yeah. or whatever. So, you know. And so, uh, I, we did not know that there were multiple endings. And so we're starting to collect these items thinking that, uh, like everything else in the game, it was going to be pretty linear. Required. Yep, and I would need to use this to complete the game. And then suddenly, we had beat the game. And we got the bad ending. Uh, so I was like, oh, okay, well, that's probably what those five items sitting in our inventory uh, were for. Um, we had all these little leads like, oh, we're going to need this for this. We're going to need this for this. We're going to need this for this. There's a there's a fortune teller machine that clearly needs a coin. Like, where are we going to get that coin? Oh, it probably from the uh, and then game done. <laughs> you know, and it's like, oh well, crap. We shouldn't have gone down that path. We should have gone down you know these other paths. Um, and and the game does let you. I mean, as soon as you beat it, it makes it very clear that you have gotten. Uh, at least for for us and I know Shane as well, the bad ending. And it tells you, you can go right back and continue to solve. Um, but I, yeah, I was, su- I was pretty surprised. Um, we are wandering the mansion a lot between breaks. Like we mm-hmm. have been like poking around and we've solved a lot of side puzzles. So I'm guessing based on that, we're, I, I didn't realize there were alternative ending until I started doing, a uh, little research until you guys said you got the bad ending, and I thought you were making a joke. Um, <laughs> yeah, because uh, yeah. I mean, how because often... there there is only one ending of the other two games, so I just assumed. And what like hard hardcore puzzle game has alternate endings, right? And that actually made me think more. And Shane, you said this first. We were talking about this game a couple days ago. Um, that there's a lot of things about this game that make you think of an adventure game. Yeah. You know, more so than a puzzle game and much more so, yeah. And it, in a it lot definitely of ways, has the feel of uh there's a, there's that navigation, you know, use X on Y type, you know, that's the interactions that you have in classic adventure games. Mm-hmm. But I will say that I enjoy that I think the stuff you need for different endings is isolated in the mansion and the stuff you need to beat the game are all in side rooms. So I'm guessing if you go back, you're just dealing with the mansion. Right. I, I, I can't imagine that they would let you go back uh, with no ability to get certain endings. Mm-hmm. But maybe, I mean, you know, maybe there's like a perfect run where you had to have collected a certain item from each side room to... No, the inventories are completely separate, so yeah. it actually confused me at times. I, I think that if you go back, you just do stuff in the house. Yeah. That's my guess. And that makes the most sense. Um, and that's where we were getting all these tiny leads before ultimately just kind of like beating the game and being uh, pretty surprised at, uh, when you get a a, a bad ending. Um, and it is a bad ending. Um, but I think that's Which cool. Which I really want to hear about after the spoiler break. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Let's have it now. Okay, so yeah, we're gonna. Uh, there's not gonna be a whole lot more, I think, after the spoiler break. So before we do that, I think we should say, um, you know, where you can get this game or how much this, you know, each of these games cost and what they're available on. Um, so the rooms, uh, all three of them are available on 
iOS and Android. Um, the Room 3, uh, the newest one, I believe, is $699. Uh, maybe it's $599. Totally worth the cost. It's a full game. Totally worth the cost. Uh, this is the first game that I played. Uh, we got an iPad, and I couldn't think of a better game to like break in the new iPad with this uh, than with this. It's also on Android, and Rooms 1 and 2 are on Windows. And Room 1 has dropped to a dollar. Totally worth it. iOS, which is ridiculous. Yeah, um, I'm going to go. So we're going to go backwards. Like, this is so anti how I normally do things. Like, I, I uh, not too long ago decided that I don't know enough about. I, I've not watched enough like Star Trek, even though I love Star Trek. So I'm like, all right. Let's do it. And I'm currently in the middle of the third season of the original series, and I'm working my way from the beginning all the way, you know, to get current. And that's how I normally do things. If I want to get into a series, I have to start from the beginning. And for this one, starting on the third, and we'll go backwards. So it's going to be like devolving down to the simplest form. And I have to imagine that going to be super confident going into the room one after the, like, intricacies of room three, um, but I'm excited to play them, especially after uh, talking to you about them. Uh, I mean, Room 1 was also insanely successful. I mean, mm-hmm. I think I heard that Fireproof Games just wanted, wanted to break even. There was a small studio, and they're like, I just want to break even. And they broke even in a week because this was released in 2002, or 2012, sorry. And <laughs> there weren't a lot of great games on the iPad at the time. And it became Game of the Year, you know, won a BAFTA. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. cool. I mean, this is not uh, like if you've played a lot of puzzle games, uh, it's a pretty straightforward game. But I don't think it's an easy game. This isn't like a ca- necessarily casual game, you know. So for that many people to uh, download, especially you know when iPad was still kind of in its infancy, and for it to get so popular, I think is a testament to the game's overall design that enough people bought it, enough people stuck with it. And then now they're just running with it. And it's, um, you know, I have to imagine there's going to be a room four, which it will be like 12 hours long and, you know, uh, on PS4 or something, but, uh, they've really hit something with this series. They did a VR game about jetpacks. So Lord knows what they'll do with room. four. <laughs> Hmm. Ooh, the room, uh, the room in VR would be interesting if they could. Oh, I'd be so into that. If they could get the controls good of where, I don't know. There'd have to be some sort of haptic feedback. I don't really know exactly how. There's a uh, there's a game that I really can't wait to try out in VR. That is sort of a puzzly game. It's called I Expect You to Die. Have you guys heard about this one? I, just sorry to yeah. give you a, a little bit of a sidetrack here. But it's basically um, in a sort of escape the room style where uh, you are um, like a spy and you are like trapped in different like death traps by like, you know, supervillains and whatnot. Uh, Like you might be in a car that's rigged to blow or you might be, you know, it's the name is, of course, a reference to that. Well, Mr. Bond, I expect you Mm -hmm. to die. Mr. Doctor. No. And it's uh, it's getting really, really good reviews. So I'm I'm looking forward to that one. I think this is the style of game that could work really well in VR. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
Well, anything else you guys want to kind of hit before we uh, just kind of talk about some of the endings, or at least our ending? No, and, and I just really want to hear what your ending is, and then I want to talk about some of the random stuff I found in the house and hopefully not spoil you guys too much. Okay. Well, uh, so this is your spoiler break. Okay, so how bad is this bad ending? <laughs> Do you really know the difference between a maze and a labyrinth? Well, it turns out if you get the bad ending, it wraps you back around to the beginning when you're sitting on the train when you're reading the very first letter. And so it's oh. basically like, uh, you know, did you... Imprisonment, you, you, right? Yeah, it's imprisonment, exactly. You have to do it all over again, or at least that's the idea is that your character is just going to keep running this loop of, uh, you know, loop of this yeah. same house over and over and over until you get it right. Yeah. For those, for people who are listening, who just didn't ever play this game, there's, did you guys, um, get the fortune teller to do anything? Nope. No. Okay. So we're on the third fortune teller card. <laughs> Because we've been solving stuff in the house. So, so far she's like, she's doing, she's dealing cards. And I think each, based on what you're telling me, I think each card is a different ending. So yes, imprisonment is the first card she lays down. Okay. So I'm guessing if you don't, I'm guessing the endings are based on the cards. That, that makes sense. Drops. Definitely. Yeah. Well, because at the, that's represented as a card at yeah. the end. And I thought that was neat that they, they show you at the end, you've, you've got imprisonment. Uh, as your ending, and it shows you that that is one of five, and they look like cards, so that makes sense. So she deals four cards, so I'm guessing you solve none, so you get imprisonment. And then I'm guessing yeah. each card you get moves you up an ending. That makes sense. Cool. Um, which makes you feel good, because I'm three cards in, so... Yeah, we just got, like... I was just so expecting these pieces to be used in the... Uh, the, side rooms? the final solution. I can't think of any any other way to say it than that, and um, it just wasn't. We just beat the game, so um, definitely going to go back and 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 solve these uh, the actual house. I think we were just trained to look for a lot of like, oh, there's a keyhole on this thing. Like, there's the thing on the oh, the clock. Like the the one I will spoil because it just happened at nine o'clock before we recorded and I was really excited is um, if you look at the clock in one of the side rooms to the eyepiece, there's little markers at three, six, nine and 12. Mm -hmm. And we happened to be playing at nine o'clock and in the house. And then we heard the clock go off and we were like, oh, wait, and we ran in there and a switch showed and there's a puzzle inside that you can only access at those hours. Oh, wow. Okay. So we were really excited about that one. I think that's mm, the only time-sensitive cool. puzzle. Yeah. Um, I would – yeah, I because I, we found that same thing, but we thought it was going to be like you're going to place something on that, you know? like Oh, we were expecting that too, and we just kept running around being like, okay, where's the thing for the clock? Where's the thing for the clock? <laughs> um, most of them are easier than that. I mean, there's – there's some part where you're actually like able to manipulate the shape of a box, which is very cool. Yeah. That wax cylinder, um, we just solved that one. Um, I don't know if you want me to spoil it for you. That's fine. Um, so there's a whole bunch of gramophones and phones in mm -hmm. the room. And there's a wax cylinder you can get. And you can 
set the gramophone in one room playing and call the other gramophone and get it to record on the wax cylinder the song it's playing. Oh, okay. And then you have this engraved wax cylinder and you're like, what do I do with this? And then we did you do anything with the great con book? Yes. No. Yeah. So oh, you can you do the square around. or the circle, or it's like a there's d20s all over this game. Uh, you can figure <laughs> out a way to get a circle in there, and yeah. then a really cool like pop up stage happens. Yeah, we so, did that. So that's what I'm saying. Like we yeah, are. There's um, a lot of half puzzles all over the place. That's what I think. That's why it took, you know we ended up with like so much more playtime with, but still getting the bad ending is I think we went like halfway into all of these side puzzles and not recognizing that they were just side puzzles and not the like complete game. Cause yeah, we got, you, you go into that, the pop-up book and that's where you get the wax cylinder. It's in there. So, um, but I, I think it's really cool. And, and I really like that about the game that like, I'm almost in a way like happy that made it through the whole game without knowing that there was alternate endings. And, and so and sorry for everyone who's listening, you know, in a way that's a spoiler, but like it was kind to of, to be honest, I've been really happy for that um, mechanical, that fortune teller, because one, it's a link to the room too, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. There's a seance woman who seems to be trapped inside of it. I don't know. That's funny. Like she's a woman in the who's a character in room two, so I'm guessing that she's in there now. Um, <laughs> that's creepy. Um, yeah. I, I, it's nice because I know when I've finished a section of the alternate puzzles because I get a coin. That makes sense. Yeah. And and then she gives me something I can use to solve another set. Interesting. So it's it's like my there's no hints for the alternate puzzles, but at least it's telling me when I'm done. Yeah, that's, 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 again, something I think this game has done so well is, you know, when you've achieved something, you know, when you've completed something. Mm-hmm. I just really like uh, how tangible these puzzles are. I, that's, man, that like I, I've been, else. I know, I've been, I feel like I've been talking about it all game, but like, or all episode, but like, it just feels so good to flip these stupid little switches and these and twist these little boxes and things spin out of each other and and grow and twist and it just it, the 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 uh, attention to detail in their design on this is impeccable. I'm so glad we got to play these games because Reagan doesn't like puzzle games because they don't make him feel smart. <laughs> They think he, he thinks he makes him feel stupid. And they shout make out to me, Reagan, who only <laughs> likes to play to things that make him feel smart. So he had to go to Hawaii so I could play a game I've been waiting <laughs> to cover. You know, maybe we should have mentioned up front why Reagan, who's basically the host of the show, isn't on this episode. I don't think we even brought that up. Nope. Eh. Just skipped it. Yeah, he's in Hawaii. Because he didn't want to feel. He Aloha, feel Reagan. Yeah. All right. So, and of course. Yeah, of course, we take the opportunity to uh, make sure we make fun of him on the episode that he's not on. This is maybe the third or fourth time out of like 110 episodes that he hasn't been on. So, well, I had a blast playing this puzzle game. I'm always down to doing puzzle games with you guys. So uh, anytime one comes up, I say we continue doing it. And to our listeners, I hope you have enjoyed. Uh, If you're listening now and have played it, I hope you've enjoyed it as much as we did and if you haven't 
Uh, I think it's safe to say that we all recommend this game. I mean, it's not perfect. Um, I think we've all had our own like personal kind of gripes with some of the puzzles, but overall, I think this is a, a great game and something that's worth picking up. Yeah, and if you want something smaller, pick up the room one. It's just as satisfying, but it's a lot more digestible. Yeah, I, I, I would, uh, I would highly recommend any of these three games, even though I've only played one of them. Uh, if you recommend the room one, uh, and it's an even shorter version of this lovely short game, uh, I'm all on board. Well, if you would like to tell us how much you loved this game or, or any other game uh, that you think we should play, we love hearing from you. Uh, it is one of the most uh, fun things uh, that comes from this show is when you guys reach out to us. Uh, you can reach out to us on our website at theshortgame.net or on Twitter at underscore short game or if you're feeling generous you can leave us an itunes review we love it when we receive great itunes reviews and actually on that note just a quick shout out to some dude 84799 for uh his uh fantastic review of us saying we all have great radio voices we really oh, thanks, some dude eight four seven nine nine from the bottom of our hearts. We really do. Or you, if you don't want to do that, tell a friend. Uh, we don't really advertise uh, this show or anything, so we rely on word of mouth. Uh, so we love hearing from you and receiving those reviews. You can follow uh, me on Twitter at NateSTL and Laura. Where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Laura J Nash. Awesome. And Shane? I'm on Twitter at 8BitShane. All right. And until next time, thanks for listening to The Short Game.